It's not just a I hit, they hit, you know. It's always your turn in the fight game. It's always your turn. Um, and when you strike, you got to be setting things up. When you're grappling, you got to be setting things up. And it's, it's chess. It's not checkers. It's chess. What's up, guys? This is Matt from War Republic, and this is the Warrior Within podcast where we talk to fighters that are up and coming and famous fighters and basically showing you that they're just as interested as any athlete, any musician, or any rapper you guys would probably ever see. So with us today is Memnon Warrior, someone I had the privilege of seeing grow, who is a bandweight champion and also recently Street Beef's welterweight champion. How you feeling, man? I'm feeling good. Thanks for having me. Shout out to everybody watching. Yeah. What's going on? It's been been long overdue. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming out, man. Especially uh, with uh, your training and stuff. You know, I wanted to talk about this first, and it's actually perfect from where you came from. You know, you just came from mm-hmm. PT and stuff like that. Um, and also, you did a shout out to your video on you know on using yoga for flexibility in MMA. Let's like actually yeah. talk about recovery. It's one of the most important things. Probably no one really talks about too much in MMA. Everybody just thinks you work, 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 work. And so educate me a bit and just tell people kind of insight, like how, what recovery are you doing? Like how important it is? Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of in the borderline of like the new school and the old school mentality, oh, yeah. just cause the, uh, one of my mentors, uh, his name is DeRay Davis. He, he's like one of those guys that's from the era of like back when it was no shin guards, it was, uh, no pads, like everything's hard, hard sparring, hard, everything's just, bone on bone and and old no recovery yeah old school the the back in the day when if it hurts keep keep throwing it you know right. and so i see that and then i learned from those guys and then like uh i know some more new school fighters of course and uh i got a guy on the team who's like real big into recovery he showed me some things but i i think uh for me it's like a a little bit in the middle like if something hurts, I'm gonna probably keep like conditioning it because I'm like I got that old school mentality of if it is like the body will condition, the body will get used to it. So, but at the same time, you don't want to overdo it, like over damage or overtrain. Is you got to find that sweet medium, you know? Right, right. How much do you listen to your body? Like for me, like I'm at that age where I did stupid shit, like I pulled out some uh-huh. things. So like I actually have to be like, all right. I can't be too lazy because if a movement doesn't happen, then the injury gets worse. So, like, right. you're right. There's, like, this happy medium. So how much yeah. of it is listening to your body? Oh, a lot of it is because me, I, I'm not trying to do this just for, like, fun. Like, I'm doing this to be a defending champion one day. So my body longevity is, like, very important to me. So I, I stretch before. I stretch after. I stretch during. I'm always stretching. I'm always taking care of injuries if I got them or something but but I'm not one of those guys that's always in Cairo or always getting massages right <laughs> yeah although I'm that not shit there feels yet. good though <laughs> yeah 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 I'm not there yet but soon how's the cryo you've done that right I, I think I saw a post or something you've done cryo there the, the ice he had the vlog Come yeah on. I saw that right so how was that experience uh-huh. yeah uh, so that was in January of this year for TFC um, I had like a you say what? Was that for TFC? Yes, sir. It's for TFC. And um, I had just this company. I forgot. Close 60. Close 60. Oh, and uh, right. They took care of me. They just let me come and uh, do some Cairo and shit before the fight. How cold it's was cool. it? It's not. It's nothing. Like you, I feel like I could sit in there for like 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So was yeah, it usually it, like five? It's less than that? It's three minutes. It's three minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's like people, some people like can't last a few seconds, but it's it, to me, it's nothing. If you ever done an ice bath, it's nothing compared to ice I was bath. just going to ask you that because I was doing that last year with uh, uh, just because I was training a lot more. Yeah, dude, mm-hmm. ice baths are unforgiving. Like you have to have a, yeah. you know what it teaches you? It teaches you mind because if yeah, you can yeah, go yeah. in that shit and you're, I'm just making the dumbest faces when you first do it too. And you're like, yeah. uh, and then there's a part where it just, you get numb and then it's all good. Yeah. I hate ice baths. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're a bitch. So the cryo is like a vacation, I bet for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you just chill. You just chill. It's like some Dragon Ball Z shit kind of. So you're not really, <laughs> so you're not really doing ice baths in between fights. 
Oh yeah, how often do you do them? Um, I actually did one like I want to say like three weeks ago, and it was painful. <laughs> like I just jumped straight into it. Like I, I bought like four, four or five huge extra large bags of ice and dumped them in the tub, and it was filled up. And I just jumped in. This was like okay, I'm gonna just go for it. And immediately, all that oxygen just left my body. Oh wow, shit! Yeah, and then I was just sitting and sitting, and eventually it came back to me. But that shit was painful. Ooh, that's crazy. That's a bit scary. Mm-hmm. But I- you feel feel so good afterwards, though. Yeah. What about your joints? What do you do? You try and warm them up after, or? Oh um, my joints after ice bath. Like you don't stretch uh, after doing anything crazy. You chill, or like, what do you do after? I chill. Because everything is like numb. Like if you're in there uh, and you're under the ice and with no no pants, no shirts on or nothing, like your body will be numb. So then I just rest for a little bit. I, I may stretch a little bit. I might t- touch my toes and stuff like that. But uh, mostly rest after recovery. I will only do it on like a recovery day. So I'm resting anyway. Makes sense. Makes sense. I got to tell you one funny story, though. Me personally. Mm-hmm. I went and I was like, you know, I did my ice bath. I was trying to get a feel for what it was like when you guys go do it. So mm-hmm. um, I buy ice. So lesson one, folks, don't ever buy ice bath from a dollar store. So I did. I went to like the Dollar Tree and I just sort of, or it was like mm-hmm. some shit like that. And I go and I go and get the ice. And I'm like, shit hurts. But I felt good from the other time. You know how miserable it is. I put all mm-hmm. the ice in there and I sit into it. And we even did a video that I never put out that I was like trying yeah. to see the thing. And I kid you not, bro. I leave there and for like two days, my ass just burns. Oh my God. <laughs> like, ridic- yeah, like it burned because you're sitting there and it gets to all your, your body, like your, your wangs there, yeah. your ass is there. It's going to get all through that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I don't know, at the time I didn't feel it. And then the next day I'm just like, ah, oh. he's like, what you complain about my dude my ass hurts like it's like what'd you do you're just training like it's like yeah, yeah. i don't know man that ice i think it was that ice and so i have like yeah. dirty ass ice and they don't clean it with the dollar ice yeah, yeah. you think you're getting a deal it's like here you're getting like all five bags for a dollar yeah you got some com- contaminated ice it sounds like <laughs> so if you're ever doing it and you're like no i want to train and i mean this is just my little funny experience but like if you're going to go to 7-Eleven and you're going to go to like Quick Check, spend the extra money and get yourself the real bag of ice because that was a terrible experience. Is there speedways out there in Jersey? Oh, yeah. You mean like um, um, like a highway, interstate? Parkway? Parkway? No, no, no. The gas station speedway. No. No, we don't got – no, no, we don't have that. Oh, yeah? No. Yeah, them, they're everywhere out here. That's oh, really? where I got it. So you guys don't have yeah. Quick Check out there or anything like that? Yeah. Damn, see? I think I seen a quick check in like Ohio. You get a Wawa? No, they don't. Yeah. A Wawa? You got Wawas? No. <laughs> Yo, when you come to Jersey, yeah. I don't care. Next time oh. you do a street beast thing, or maybe you come down here, mm. I'm I gotta bring you a Wawa, bro. It's like, the future of convenience. What's a Wawa? So you just go in there, you want a sandwich, everything you just press. I mean, you get mac and cheese. Uh, it's like a tablet. You just yeah, tap just on a, what you want. Tap on what Five you minutes want. later, it's made. Like that sounds fire over here. What's up? Yeah, I said that sounds fire. Wanna, dude? Over here in Jersey, it's like sandwiches up the ass. Like everybody loves mm-hmm. loves it. So I don't know how you guys do, but over here, everybody's fat as shit from subs, <laughs> pizza, mm-hmm. you know, just pasta. Know. You know. Yeah, and if I you don't know, it's like little Dagestan over here because we got Frankie Edgar and uh, we got mm-hmm. like a bunch of people. You know, got Ricardo Almeida. You know, we even got mm-hmm. other guys like Coach Meals that helps, like Corey Anderson and other guys don't know certain people that bring them up that are in the same mm-hmm. team as Frankie. And uh, we actually have real Russians now. Wow. I have, I have, uh, what? I was going to say, he also helps Marlon Marais. Oh, yeah, Marlon Marais is over here. Mm-hmm. And yep. we got Russians. Are you uh, Cody Garbrandt out there, too? What's up? Yes. Yes, Cody Garbrandt. Yep, recently, recently. Yeah. I don't know if he moved he permanently. I saw, but like, he came out around. here and he's training. I'm not sure if he's moving, but he probably does what a lot of fighters do. And, like, they have a home base. But they come over here mm-hmm. for a while. And then they do that in Vegas. Vegas is another big one. Like, Claudia yeah. Gadella, she does Jersey. I think she lives here. And then she goes into Vegas, and that's her two homes. Aside from, like, mm-hmm. Brazil or whatever. So, basically, yeah. we even got Russians. Like, uh, the Zabit 
with Cherry Pop. Dude, that guy's right here. Magomed Cherry Pop. Yeah, he's right over here. Dude, when is he going to get a fight? <laughs> I know, right? He had two cancellations, uh, I believe. Well, yeah, I saw yeah, right? Mark Henry. He was like, they were supposed to fight, and then something happened. So, yeah, I know. That dude's crazy. But you can always do overtrain. You don't want to do that. Like, I had this one fighter mm -hmm. we recorded, and he was a little old-school guy, uh, George Sullivan, and he was in UFC. Mm -hmm. And he was saying one of the fights that he had, he trained way too fucking long. And then he didn't mm -hmm. take any breaks. And then when he had a fight that was a career shot thing that would have made him like a top 10 or below guy, he mm -hmm. trained for, it's like Tony, Tony did, like uh, for Geishi, trained for Khabib the whole time. And then he mm -hmm. got Justin and he had no breaks. And even he did the the picture with getting in shape and trying to, that takes out of your body too. Like I was telling yeah, my brother, yeah, yeah. he was just doing that to intimidate people and show he, he's a fucking badass, but. Tony Ferguson? Yeah, yeah. But the, with the, the head and weight twice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he does stuff like yeah. that, and it's cool. But it's like, stupid, yeah, exactly. It's, I think it is. Like, he probably called yeah. me "you're a fucking pussy." Snap down city champ shit. But like, <laughs> I'm just being real on my own body. And if I was a coach, or if I was just mm -hmm. you know someone close to me, I'd be like, take it, kind of be most the most safe you can be. But anyway, yeah. but yeah, Jersey's but yeah, Jersey's Jersey's an interesting spot for MMA. But it's a hidden gem. Going back to a segue, like for someone like you who's going from amateur to professional, how much are you training a week? I'm training like every day. Wow. And since I uh, work at a UFC gym, uh, I either get a training session with uh, my pro team, Premier Team Cologne. All right. I either go Team Cologne in the morning and uh, train with them, get some uh, like some team training. And then I go straight to the gym. And then if I got a, a PT or a class, I teach it. And then I go straight back to the, uh, to them. Right, right. And then, uh, or I might stay uh, at UFC gym and get a great grind in over here. So it's like a full, full everything. I got everything I need, strength and conditioning, uh, mats. We got the cage, pretty much uh, all different looks, all different bodies and stuff. So. Right, right. It's it's I'm in a good spot. I could I'm able to train full time. So and then you always have your body great. you got plenty of place to put yourself in shape. Going to your coach, yeah. like uh, you know, Steve Cologne, like you've been with him since you were fifteen years old. Can you give me a little background mm -hmm. on you know, your him and can you give me a little background on yourself, you know, kind of growing up, learning all the stuff under him. Like how you got started. How you got started basically. Yeah, so me and Steve we're close, um, but it's, it's mostly like um, just like I want to say like I'm, I'm one of his top fighters, but I, I still like cross train at other places, too. That's so um, I've, I've, I've won a couple of times to like Chicago fight team. They got like Lewis Taylor and Bilal Muhammad oh, cool. and uh, Horatio uh, and some other guys, some uh, like pro guys that's not so big, like James Dunn. They got some good guys over there. So. I'm going to be trying to make it up to them more just because I live closer to Chicago fight team. Right. But meantime, my team, like my home team is still Team Cologne. So I'm going to just be getting it in as, as much as I can. And especially like, uh, especially when I got a fight coming up, like I don't got a fight right now, but I'm like training. I want to say I'm doing like three hard sessions out the week where it's like full team training. And then the other, other days uh, I'm just training, uh, self-training. Are those three days you're sparring too? Um, not all the time, not all the time. Like, but I am sparring a lot. I'm sparring probably like four or five days out the week, but it's not hard sparring at all. Right, right. I mean, I remember I was when I was sick and I saw the uh, the headbutt you got. You know, like talk about that. Mm -hmm. Like, shit just happens in training. You know, like yeah, it just happens like that. And that was from like barely even the round started and we clashed heads and boom, just like that. And so it's like freak accidents. And out of all my fights, I probably got 15 fights, nothing ever. And then just a headbutt, random headbutt. And then Damn, man, you lucky. That's great. <laughs> she ain't gonna be like one of the, I don't know if you can see this GSP with, with like uh, Nick Diaz. It'd be like one of the Diaz brothers, get all the scar tissue and then a fucking leaf hits your face. You start bleeding and shit. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to be like that. I already. That's been some veteran getting, shit. You know, they. Yeah. I already got hit a few times and it's, it's held up pretty good. It's only been like 
four. It's al- already been a month, I think, hmm. and it's healed it pretty good. damn. Solid. It looks good. Yeah, it, it's healed pretty damn good. Yeah, I'm surprised. But, uh, but yeah, man. So freak accidents always happen. But luckily for me, I've never been injured. Like I've never been like anything too serious. Mm. I, I want to say, ten years now training. I started when I was twelve. That's good, man. That's good. You probably do a lot of uh, uh like uh, what do you call that? Um, it's escaping me now. Kevin does it mm-hmm. too. Um, mobility training, right? You do a lot of that too, or no? I do tons of mobility training. Well, That's let's, let's uh, go backwards a little bit. Well, like, what's up? Uh, how do you get started in martial arts? Oh, we still didn't go over with, with yeah, with Team Cologne with that, right? So, how'd you actually get started? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go from like I guess your Taekwondo background, and then how you actually got into MMA with Team Cologne. So when I was a kid, uh, we moved from uh, Illinois to Iowa, and in Iowa is uh, when I started like a uh, uh, karate. Like uh, it was just some some. You know, uh, fucking small ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those places that charge like two hundred dollars a month. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I liked it or whatever. It's cool, but uh, I kept it moving, and we moved a lot of places. So everywhere we moved in Iowa, I would move to a different gym. Uh, my parents put me in, and it was okay. But I knew it was something more like karate. I knew it was it was good posing and stuff like that, but. It, I knew it wasn't real. Like, even it being like seven years old, I was like, this isn't like, it's not a fight. It's not real fighting. Right. And right. so, uh, we moved to Ohio and then I did Taekwondo. I think I was eight years old. And we stayed out there until I was 12, pretty much. And I, I did Taekwondo from eight to 12, came back to Illinois, started self training at this uh, gym called Active Edge in Lansing. It shut down now. But the guy there, he hosted like uh, smokers at the gym, so it would be fighters always. Yeah, and um, I was twelve years old. Signed myself up. You had to be eighteen. I went out. I forged my uh, parents' signature. Came back, and I was going there. (laughs) I was going there for like uh, four hours every day. Wow! Wow! All throughout high school. How much? How much? uh, Taekwondo did you learn? I mean, it's four years, so like. I don't know what belt. That really doesn't matter. But like you know, the tornado mm-hmm. kicks and stuff like that. You picked it up during that time. I remember belting ceremonies because that shit was like three fifty, four hundred dollars to oh, do wow. that. Yeah, wow. I never, yeah, I never did any of the uh, the ranking ceremonies. But what I did take from those those years is the flexibility and the the interesting. Uh, interesting. Yeah, the flexibility and the the the. How to throw? How I throw my kicks with no load up? You know, mm, mm, right, right. You know, I think that's interesting because you don't really need to be a black belt to beat the shit out of a black belt. Like people think you black belts uh-huh. are like, especially back in the day, like thirty years ago, a uh-huh. black belt was yeah, like the highest you shit you could be. And really, like you know, if you look at Boss Rudin, I don't know if you saw anything with him. Uh, you should probably after going a day or so. Look, it's very similar. Like he literally mm-hmm. beat the shit out of like tons of black belts before he even got a black belt. Because they're like, oh, you know how to fight, you know? Yeah. So it's different, you know? It's good self-defense. Yeah, um, it teaches you balance. Really, the only black belt I fear is a jiu-jitsu black belt. That's the only black belt that I would <laughs> like. Yeah. Honestly. Right. If you're thinking about it, a black belt just shows you put in a lot of time into it. Right. It doesn't mean that you're really as good. It just means you put a lot of time into it. You put a lot of money into it. You invested into it. Right. So, and by the way, no uh, disrespect to people who are because there's black belts and then there's black belts. I'm sure there's like some yeah, great yeah, black belts and there's black belts. <laughs> and, that's, and that's even true with jujitsu, honestly. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm not even ranked in jujitsu, but I've grappled and I've wrestled since I was younger. That I, I can tap mm-hmm. out dudes that were like blue belts and hang in with purple belts. Mm-hmm. And I've just been doing that like a while. Actually, let's mm-hmm. like perfect segue into since both kind of wrestling. So, go from showing me you're doing taekwondo. When did you wrestle and just Go from like, you know, kind of what you were talking mm-hmm. before, right? So I used to have a friend. His name was Lewis. Uh, he got me into the wrestling. He went to TF South. I mean, he went to TF North and I went to the rival school, TF South. But we was like best friends. And so we would meet at wrestling meets and, and just fucking like uh, we would be the best star. Like he beat me the first time uh, of the season and we didn't link back up the whole season so i had to wait a whole year to get my rematch oh damn 
but uh, the next year as a sophomore, I started when I was a freshman, um, freshman in high school. But when we was in eighth grade, there was no wrestling team in eighth, in the middle school. Oh, wow. Uh, so, uh, he got me into it by like when, every time we would hang out, we would work out and we would just so like spar, just wrestling spar or like fight spar. And we oh, would wow. be beating each other's ass. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. And then when, uh, so fast forward, when high school came around, uh, we was on opposite sides. So we was pretty much like rivals. So we would go against each other and uh, just have hard sessions and stuff like that. But um, oh, we ended up going one one. So we didn't get the rematch. Anymore. Oh, wow. That's crazy, right? Wow. Well, that's mm. that's what you want as an athlete anyway. Like, you want, like, a good, like, competitive thing. I'm sure that experience, right, is, like, you know, the good connections you have with some good spar mates in your gym. Like, Alan, right? He's, like, a good – he was probably some 100%. competitive. 100%. got him, man. Oh, yeah. I'm actually, like – I was a pretty big fan of him, too, seeing him fight. And, like, mm. you know – that's another well, thing. Considering I how not that long he's been fighting, or yeah, no martial arts background before this, and he mm. he pressed the shit out of me when I saw his uh, stuff, and it just um. And, people and, people and want to talk about it. I'm sorry. Go I'm ahead. gonna tell you straight up. I'm gonna tell you straight up. Allen has shown anything. He hasn't shown anything in his fights yet. Like uh, I just sparred with him. Literally the day this happened, me and him got in like ten rounds before I went with the guy wow. that this happened to. And um, me and him put in like ten rounds of boxing, and he—it's like nice. he got so much better. He got so much better. It's great. That's you know, it's funny because I was talking a little bit. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm doing a little bit and nothing like that. You know, I think yeah. you know a lot of guys. Let's just be real. Like, um, you know, I did like a couple smokers for kickboxing when I was like 16, and like, you know, I kind of got a stomach thing at 18, so I couldn't really pursue it like other people. But it's a real thing. You get head trauma and you can get damage. And even amateurs, like a lot of people are like, well, when's a good time to go pro? And it's not the same for everybody. So some guys are pros and they have concussions because they're pros. Some guys are amateurs and they got hit too much and they're never the same. So it's really, you got that question yourself. That's hundred percent true. A lot of, I know a lot of amateurs that never, that never be able to go pro. Yeah. hundred percent. Cause, cause they got hit too much. Right. Mm-hmm. And do you think Damn it's because they they fight, they need to learn how to fight better, or do you just think it's just like some people just don't have that in them? Um, I think the ship has sailed. Like, because uh, you when you fight, you got to be thinking longevity. <laughs> you got to be thinking 100%. about longevity. The goal of the game is to hit without getting hit. So some people's styles um, ends their career shorter. Uh, their styles make their career shorter. Is what I mean, and uh, a lot of amateurs they just they take a lot of damage. But it's just it's just like the cream of the crop always is going to separate. You know what I mean? Like the amateur um, circuit, most majority of times anywhere you go, rather it's the Midwest, the West Coast, or the East Coast, like the amateur circuits are. Uh, it's like it's men among boys. You know what I mean? Like you can see who stands out. Like there's some guys out here, like uh, that went undefeated as amateur, and oh, they wow. just picked, nice. they just picked it up. They just picked it up faster, and then they went pro, like even before me. And seeing that, it's like okay, they just get the game. They just understand the it's a chess match. It's not a tough man sport. It's a chess match, and right, right. that's. That's how I feel like uh, that's the difference I made as an amateur when I took that six month hiatus when I got suspended uh, for jumping over the cage. Um, we saw those six that. Months, I saw that live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those six months, man. That's that's what changed me as far as uh, as being an amateur. It was just being more aware and being like uh, being more conscious of. It's not just a I hit, they hit. You know, it's always your turn in the fight game it's always your turn um and when you strike you got to be setting things up when you're grappling you got to be setting things up and it's it's chess it's not checkers it's chess absolutely and i always like you know the great customado always says like you got someone who's tough they're here you got another guy who's tough but if you got one guy that's tough and he's tough too but he's smart and he's like that so intelligence Mm -hmm. like you know i don't care who you are your mental is a weapon too 
you know, mm-hmm. and then like, you know, I really liked when I watched one of your blogs for uh, Street Beefs and you were saying if he's smart, he's going to be patient with me, you know, mm-hmm. and like all that is mine because everybody just wants to get in, especially when it's your first amateur fight, mm-hmm. you know, because I've been around the combat sports my whole life growing up. My dad will tell you later another thing broke for Black Belt magazine and I got to mm-hmm. meet Henzo Gracie and and Matt Sarah and a bunch of people who, you know, are now in the UFC. And yeah, Matt Sarah. Oh, yeah. I got stories I'll tell you uh, later. But basically, yeah, man, like you can be an amateur and it just, uh, your mindset is everything. And sometimes you'll burn out with adrenaline because you want to go, go, go. So anyway, patience is really what I was trying to preach. You and, and to get back to that, uh, that uh, what you said about recovery, like that's a big difference too. Is some of the amateurs I knew that would never make it as a pro is because um they they would be hurt, they would get a concussion and then they'd be back sparring the next night. Oh wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or the next week. You know? That's it's even, like that's terrible. It's not yeah, it's terrible, man. It's terrible. It's like killing your brain. Yeah, exactly. And then any memories maybe you have, like you're you're messing that up too. And then he mm-hmm. knows when you're older and stuff, what you're going to get from that in your brain. But, um, you know, yeah. real quick, uh, I want to make this into two things I kind of want to ask you. I know you're a big uh, fan of Ben Henderson. I want to know, like, him and another fighter who you really, like, look up to or I wouldn't say emulate, but, you know, maybe you get a little inspiration in your style. You maybe if you don't do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Benson Henderson, I, I liked his, uh, like, his... Uh, how he branded himself. Uh, very respectful, very humble champion, you know? And uh, that's what inspired me as far as like, okay, that's like how you would want to represent yourself as, you know, a martial artist. But um, as far as fighting goes, um, I, I do like Noel Romero a lot. Oh, Noel Rom- oh I didn't know you were well fan. I would never expect yeah, that. Yeah, I'm a yeah. huge Romero fan, man. Like, I uh I I watch a lot of his fights. I, I like watch him in slow motion. He's an incredible athlete, man. Yeah, and I feel like his fighting style, along with GSP fighting style, is the most ideal for MMA because um Yoel, he what he does really good to me is controlled explosion. So when he wants to go, snap, he goes. And then he's he's just he's he's back, you know, cruising. Then explode out of nowhere, and then he's cruising. And when he's at his best, he does that right. But you know, of course, like against Israel, that's probably one of the one of the uh, fights where he does it the worst because he takes too long to explode, or or he doesn't pull the trigger. But I feel like a mix of that with takedowns, like GSP, how he comes off that jab, like he explodes off that jab, and then he could go to the legs. Like I feel like a mix of both of their styles is really. Kind of like how I would, um, I guess, emulate. Because like, I, I watch pretty much their footage the most. That's interesting. I would never, never expect it. GSP, yeah. So you like the mm-hmm. explosive combinations with like kind of wrestling, basically. His pace. His pace. Pace. You know? Right. I like Kobe Covington, too, a lot. I watch Kobe Covington a lot, too. Just and Tony Ferguson. Oh, like, yeah, I'm really big into guys who weaponize the pace of a fight, you know? So, you know, your cardio is like a weapon, basically, you know? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's why I feel like uh, Khabib is going to just run through Justin Gaethje. (laughs) Yeah, well, here's another thing nobody talks about, and this will show you, like, how much inside knowledge I really do have. If you are used to wrestling, you won't get as tired as somebody who won't. And I'm not saying he has no experience as a younger wrestler. I'm saying the years he put in mixed martial arts he strikes more. He's so comfortable mm-hmm. with that that his cardio and his muscle fibers in the last whole pro career is is now mm-hmm. catered to not get tired that way. Enter a guy who hasn't stopped wrestling since Bears and he's four years old. That guy mm-hmm. is going to want to stay in that world and not get tired. So my big thing is, like, I don't think Justin, even though he has good takedown defense, what's his stamina when he wrestles? Yeah, because I was uh, training somebody the other day and I was having him go... All right, I was training two people. I was having one person go takedowns against the cage, the other person just wall walking back up. Nice. And after a couple takedowns, there's gassed already. And it's like, 
Keep going, keep going. Because that's where you get tired. When you get taken down, you get back up to the feet, you got to throw, taken down again, you got to get back up. Yep, that yep, shit is exactly. Tearing. And it's, it's and, you know, in the same token, it can be discouraging too. Say you're taking someone down and then they keep getting mm-hmm. up. And then it depends yeah, on yeah. the wrestler, how tired you are from them. So. I feel like Khabib ain't, isn't like uh, he's not invincible. He he can and will get tired too, but we're gonna see who breaks first. It's just like everything else. The people had Leota Machida; they couldn't figure out that puzzle. This is a wrestling puzzle, and it's a cycle mm-hmm. of MMA. The wrestler, the the grapplers come out, and then they're on top. And right now, we're in like a striker's era. You got Izzy's yeah, in there, yeah. and now they're on top. So everybody yeah, figures yeah. out the 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 piece of the puzzle, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's kind of crazy if you think about it, because really you have like two eras. If the lower weight you have Khabib, it's kind of a grappling thing. And you, like you had an ideal champion. If he was a striker or a grappler, what would you like to watch the most? The striking styles, styles or yeah. picking individual fighters like Styles? How wise? Ferguson comes in line. No, no, he said regular Styles, not like picking like. A oh, um, like so you're saying if I pick. Like mixed martial arts, I just pick a bunch of styles. What would be the best? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, man, you, you can make that champion that's fun to watch. You know, a lot of people will tune in. What style would he have? You definitely need, like, this is, basically, you're asking, like, I'm like the dude that would. I'd say a traditional karate, but. Right, I was, bitch, I was gonna say some <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, say so you're fucking playing UFC 4 and you're creating a character. Like, what's his ideal champion? You know? I would definitely start him. My two bases would probably be like, Probably wrestling and and karate, like before, wrestling. yeah. And then I think the little like this is probably what I do if they're like a kid, like put him in karate mm-hmm. till he's like or taekwondo, whatever. Traditional martial arts mm-hmm. first. Then while you hit like middle school, depending what area they're at, like where I'm at, there's wrestling. Where you're at, mm-hmm. there's not in middle school. So I put him in wrestling. I try and have a little bit of boxing because you need the mm-hmm. traditional base to teach you balance and just how to kind of do self defense. Like, you don't right. even know anything. You don't know how to fight. You don't know anything. You might suck with athletics. So the stances, even though in sparring, they don't do a lot of the fancy, like, but it teaches you right, how right. to move around. So right. then you need to know about ground. And there's a whole different balance when, like, you know, ever, ever grapple somebody that doesn't know how to grapple, like, and they're bigger than you, mm-hmm. they think you're mm-hmm. so strong, but they don't know it's all about leverage and how you're moving mm-hmm. your legs. So wrestling and definitely traditional martial arts, I think you would do first. And as soon as you got the legs of like uh, the traditional martial arts down and you got the ground of the wrestling, then we got to mm-hmm. add the boxing in. And mm-hmm. at that point, you can add jujitsu that mix. And I think basically that's kind of where we're at right now. And we got guys mm-hmm. like you that got more of a Muay Thai background, you know, like, mm-hmm. like I, at least the way you have your long guard and stuff like that. So I'm seeing a lot of that is like we're at that point now, but people are adding their own spice to that, right? Yeah. It's evolving, yeah, and I can see. I'm I'm trying to be a part of the the evolution, you know. I'm not trying to get left behind because uh, I'm starting to see like the way the way my fighting style is. I'm, I feel like I'm getting better every fight. Every fight, I'm getting better. Every training session, I'm getting better. I'm feeling stronger. That's good. Like, yeah, it looks like it. And one of the things I've been adding to my game a lot is is the jujitsu. So I've been on the ground a lot. I've been making use of this blue belt. <laughs> Yeah, man, congrats on that. That's awesome. Thank you. But, you know, the way I think of jiu-jitsu anyway, like, so we talked about that style mix. That guy is great up until he mm-hmm. gets on his back, right? You guys can kick. Mm-hmm. He's good at wrestling. But, like, at the end of the day, put it this way. If you're a jiu-jitsu guy, you don't want to take anyone down. Mm-hmm. How good your jiu-jitsu to execute? So it's the same kind of thing when we're talking, like, a, a, you know, we'll switch in that, right? Mm-hmm. So... You need the jujitsu, and I think the most important aspect of jujitsu is on your back, because it's the yeah. most vulnerable you are. What's yeah, like I don't the- know who I'm watching, but uh, they're talking about Tony Ferguson, and it was like how he he's a, he's one of the oddest people in the UFC because he strikes off his back. Mm-hmm. Oh right, right, elbow yeah. right off the back. There's right also the someone back. who did it originally. Boss Rutten also did that uh, too, and that was mm-hmm. early on uh, as well. Mm-hmm. But you're right; a lot of people just don't want to do that depending on your background, you're, oh, I'm in jiu-jitsu competition. Or like, you know, if you are more of a striker, usually you want to do that, right? That's their natural. Michelle Water. Yeah, you're right. She did it too. People yeah, are did. getting it. You are getting it. But you're right, man. It's like, um, maybe some people have too much of a sport mind mindset. That's what I'm trying to say. If they're like, 
like Mackenzie Dern, she was probably as good as she is. She won't think mm -hmm. of, she'll probably think of almost grabbing than striking like, you mm -hmm. know, Watterson and maybe like you would. So it's a, it's a mind thing. You, you as a martial artist and as a fighter have to really be open enough to like know what you have to do and what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, I can't wait till my next fight. You know I when it's coming wait. up? Is it soon? Dude, I want to fight in December, man. I gotta. I want to fight one more time this year. Christmas gotta come early. <laughs> Christmas gotta come early. Very true. But uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to see. Uh, there, the chances of it happening is is slim. But uh, just because I know what I, I want as far as like what I'm asking for as a pro, and so uh, the chances is slim for right now. I might have to wait until everything opens up and the fans and stuff can be back in arenas. So where would it be? LFA, CFFC. What do you What do you think? Um, LFA would be dope. LFA would be dope. And Steve, my coach, does got like connections with them. That's so word. We we'll see. We we'll see. I seen. Um, I seen uh, Kevin just fought. Kevin did just fight. Kevin did. Uh, and, you know, he's been in both of those circuits. Yeah, he, mm -hmm. he did really well. And then his last fight, you know, this guy gave him trouble, you know. And um, yeah. that's another thing in mixed martial arts. you got to realize, you know, what you need to work on. And, and it's all mm -hmm. a journey and it's a learning process. So mm -hmm. Kevin's kind of like being Kevin and dealing with uh, how that feels. And basically, I think he's going to come up top of it, but... This is probably the I've watched all you all your fights. I watched your fights. I watched his fights, mm. and it's probably the person that gave him the most uh, trouble because they did their homework. Because he just came mm. off fighting a boss root protege. protege, yeah, right before that, and he did good. But um, and he was backing away with a lot of his strikes. He's the type of guy that likes to be on his bicycle a lot. They say you know he's just mm -hmm. kind of backing up, which is good, but he needs more like forward pressure. And I don't know what happened in this fight other than he needed to do more wrestling. And I think he mm -hmm. needed to do the things he was good at. Like, he has a traditional background. He should use that as strengths. See, sometimes, mm -hmm. some of you guys, and no criticism to Kevin. Like, he's a, he's an awesome fighter and dude. But sometimes mm -hmm. we, we, like, as mixed martial artists, we'll look at boxing. And then we have a love for boxing. You should love yeah. boxing, but never fall in love with boxing. Because I think yeah. what he did is prepare too much boxing for this fight. And this dude's like, I am just want to take you down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then his dead dude, uh, he didn't teep as he, much uh, in his sidekick. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I fought his brother. You fought his brother? Yeah, the guy he fought. Really? Yeah, and uh, I was. was that before uh, Alberto? Yeah. Huh? Was, was that before Alberto? That was. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Motaz, Oscar. Okay. And, um, that was. Uh, I just, I, I could have easily outstrike them looking back, but I just was like emotional. Like, um, I was talking during the fight and just talking shit and just being uncharacteristic. I just let the belt and stuff get to my head, being like a, a, my first big amateur fight. Right, right. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I was very uncharacteristic. I wasn't calm in the chaos. I was, I was chaotic in the chaos. Mm. And that's the that thing you know, that happens, man. And then you learn from it, right? Yeah, but uh, those guys are tough. Those Oscar dudes are tough. It's three of them. And uh, they train up like in uh, MTC. All they do is wrestling. They're like uh, Dagestanians. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all they do is wrestle. All they do is wrestle. <laughs> like Dagestanians. Yeah, ain't no joke. And especially like he had that immigrant mindset. You know, he was like, I mm -hmm. wanted this. You know, see, that's another thing you can see sometimes with pre-ups for like, Watch LFA when they do main stuff or even UFC. If somebody's like, I always wanted to be here, you see it in the mindset. But if somebody's mm -hmm. like, I just want to see how it goes and I'm here, you know, you see yeah, less yeah, hungry. Yeah. You see who's hungry for that. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I just want to uh, go on one little twist before. Uh, I know we talked about this before, like in DMs. So you always mm -hmm. wanted to train with like Duke Rufus and you're close. So, uh, and you have a couple mm -hmm. guys like Bala Muhammad. You said you had other guys that train in another camp. Mm -hmm. Um, you've always been a big fan of him and are you thinking of training with him soon? Um, I actually uh, went up there, but, uh, I'm not going to be doing any training with a mask on the whole time. Oh, really? I'm That's just what they're not, doing? Nah. Yeah. I, I, I can't do it. I can't grapple with a mask. I can't strike with a mask. So yeah. I can't do that. I'm going to just wait till next year whenever everything's back fully okay. open, open. 
then uh, I go cross train with them. Yeah, no, it's smart. Dude, I don't even need the mouthpiece. People don't even understand how hard it is when you're trying to train. You have the mouthpiece. That's extra. Right, right. Put a mask on right. top of it. Yeah. And they make you do like, they make you wear a full gear. Like, you got to have your head gear. You got to have this and that. And it's like, and then, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm one of those guys. I feel like I could make it with the people I start with. And cross train is always fun and nice, but um, I got everything I need at home. That's good. That's actually a good attitude. It's like, you mm. know, you go out to get yourself uncomfortable, but you remember what got you there. Yep, yep. So but speaking of people getting, got you there, what about... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, getting different looks is good. Absolutely. Especially if you're killing mm. everybody at your gym, then that's time to probably do that. Mm-hmm. So Eddie Wyland, you know, the Eddie Wildman, as I like to call him, like mm-hmm. uh, you got a good relationship with him, and he was WEC champion at one point. Is he part yeah. of Premier or like what's your relationship with him and training with him? Yeah, he's a cool dude, man. He he just cross trains at the uh he cross trains with us and he cross trains at I forgot the other gym, but it's somewhere in Indiana. And he just cross trains uh with the two gyms out here in Indiana. And uh when he has a fight, he goes up to Niles and train with uh like uh I forgot what they're called. I don't know why I'm uh tweaking right now, but <laughs> so- I forgot what they're but uh, yeah, he he he, train, he cross trains at a few uh, of the big gyms out here. But uh, one time, um, one time when uh, we were sparring, he had came in, and I think I was like 18, 18, 19, and he had came in, and we had uh, we had got some sparring rounds in, and it was like full MMA sparring, and he just uh, I'm not gonna get into what happened or anything, but like he just really. Like like my style, and ever since then he would hit me up, and he, he's a cool dude. He's a real cool dude. You were training, you were you were wrestling him and doing MMA sparring with him or someone else, and he was watching. With him. Oh wow, that's that's sick. Nineteen. Yeah, no, it was eighteen. It was I'm sorry, eighteen. Damn. That's yeah, it was awesome. dope. And ever since then, he's really supported you and stuff like that. Definitely. Yeah, he's very supportive. Yup. And uh, him. Uh, and Darren Elkins as well. Uh, Darren Elkins, when he's in town, he comes and train with uh, Team Cologne also. Right, right. And he's had a good – like, he knows your coach, I guess, or he's just, like, same camp? He's got a, good, he's got a great relationship with uh, Steve. I, I really don't uh, – I haven't talked to Darren like that. Uh, we sparred, like, twice ever since I've, you know, been there. But Yeah. He's a bigger dude than you, right? He hard, dude. Yeah, that was a bet. Yeah, he just spars hard. He just tries to knock your fucking head off. <laughs> it's like a Ford truck. Yeah, no, I feel you. Yeah. You just got one direction, and that's straight ahead. <laughs> they say he's like kind of, well, actually, both of them are kind of like the old school dude. So, yeah, it's always that forward, forward pressure. Oh, no, no, no. Eddie is like, he's like always all over the place. He's like a Dominic Cruz, but like, you know how Dominic Cruz is his own movement? Ooh, like, yeah, he's yeah. no. Eddie is like known for his movement. Like Eddie is not easy to well, hit. Actually, you're right. That's uh, Sean Sugar Sean fight. He was moving a lot. Actually, you're right. Yeah, he, he he was doing great up until Sugar stopped the movement with the body kick, the spinning kick to the body. You can't eat too many of those, and he he ate one flush, and that stopped his movement. And then that was the downfall from there. Because people don't realize like, that was a really high pace fight up until that point. Like oh, dude, he landed two right right hands. Uh, like clean, like you can hear the crack, and that's dude. I was on the edge of my toes watching that because uh, I was like, we was training him for that fight. Like I was just throwing spinning shit, like the whole <laughs> the whole time. I'm throwing right. spinning, shit, trying to knock his head off, and he's like countering. He a slip, he throw the overhand, and he was he was getting the overhand timing so good, but uh. It was shocking, Sugar. Instead of going spinning to the head, he spin to the body. Like you can move your head all day, but to move the body, you got to move your feet. And Sugar threw straight to the body, which stopped uh, Eddie's movement. So I texted him right after the fight. I was like, I was like, uh, like you know, you okay and stuff like that. And he said the the spinning kick is what done it. And wow. even in in the podcast, he said that spinning kick that's what stopped his. You know, that's that's what stopped him. Damn, dude, that's crazy. 
Like, you know, you could, some guys are tough. They can take all the shots to the face, but then the body, mm-hmm. not, not too many people, yeah. they take a hard body shot and walk mm-hmm. away. And two, nonetheless. Mm-mm. And also, if you saw, like, the, after those leg shots, like, that little uppercut thing he did, he, like, kind of faked, and then that's how he did the walk-off. Mm-hmm. Normally, mm-hmm. you'd probably be aware of that, but when you get those body shots, like, you know. Yeah. He said he's seen it coming. He just didn't stop it. Exactly. Exactly. He didn't fucking move. He felt, like, stuck. And I've, I've been hit like that before in the body where I felt stuck. Like, just, like, uh like you can't you can't go nowhere. Your legs are heavy. Especially you get a liver shot or some shit, right? Definitely. Hundred uh, percent. I want to. I want to ask you like two last questions, and we're just gonna like you know let you go on because I know you're busy, man. But what are so, some like diet stuff that you would like? I want to do diet first, and then I want to give you another question. Let's start with like, you know, you're not in the weight cut. You're not going mm-hmm. for a fight. Just like normally, you're in good shape. What do you eat that you do for diet to keep yourself lean? Uh, hmm. uh, uh lots of, lots of like rice and chicken. And I don't like, um, I don't really, I'm, I'll be on a seafood diet. Like I see food, I eat it. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll just be on a seafood diet, man. Uh, I try not to, cause, cause I train twice a day. I'll be needing the calories. I'll be needing to full in. So uh, I just try not to eat too much uh, outside food. I try to cook a lot. Um, a typical right. breakfast would be like some eggs, you know, just basic stuff. It's, as a fighter, your diet is always boring, you know? So like how much vegetables and shit you incorporate? Or is it just like meat and carbs? Uh, mostly meat and carbs. Hmm. Mostly meat and carbs. I feel like I got... That's why I started taking creatine a lot uh, because I feel like I don't eat as much meat. Like I, I do eat a lot of uh, like carbs, like rice and and um, things of that nature, like pasta and stuff like that. But um, when I do eat meat, I eat like chicken, beef, stuff like that. Real hearty stuff, you know. Well, how do you and, cook it like, like your chicken? You're not breading it. Like what do you just grill it? You put bacon? I, I grill. Mm-hmm. Like. Well, not grill, but like stir fry, like down near something. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like stir fry it and stuff like that. So. Like, like honestly, anybody that's trying to lose weight, when you learn how to cook your own food, like you're just gonna you're gonna save money and you're definitely gonna lose weight and have a healthier lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and me, I'm really big into if you're losing weight, just fast, fast, right? right. Like, mm-hmm. uh, don't eat before eleven and don't eat after like seven. You know, right? And drink. Drink a lot of water. Yeah. Especially when you're fasting, people don't know that part. You, you won't even lose as much fat unless you drink a lot of water. And when I'm talking about fighting, that's a whole other gallons of water shit. I'm talking about just losing weight. Water is the most sleep and water are the most underrated stuff. Water, yes. Good sleep is how I cut 35. I was on a time schedule. I would wow. go to bed. I would sleep by like nine. And uh, I would get like eight hours. And then... I would drink like a gallon every day. And as soon as I wake, I would drink a gallon. Uh, some days I would get two gallons just because I woke up super early and finished the first gallon by like 12 or one. So uh, 35, I didn't cut. I cut three pounds of water. Oh, wow. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's insane. I, I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I dieted down. Like I, I was like lean and strong, man. I felt like Bruce Lee 100%. That's awesome. <laughs> And that's mm-hmm. what it is, man. We're 75 plus percent water. So, like, that's a lot of your diet. And the whole trick is these people try and cut too much and they get weak. So, it sounds like you're mm-hmm. getting the process down pretty good. My last question you could, you know, just for this podcast is anybody who sees you fight, you know, I watch you, man. You inspire me. Uh, I watch mm-hmm. other people, too. If somebody wanted to become a fighter, you know, where could you tell them to start? What should they really do? If you really want to become a fighter, I would say just, uh, just like uh, I did a, a, a like a fan um, Q and A video where I like answered a couple of these for my younger you know supporters. Oh, okay. And I was like, uh, find a gym, find a fight gym, find a fight gym, and don't really think about competing. Just just go in there and try to learn. Just try to learn and get better. Just get better every day and. Take it day by day. Don't try to look too far ahead with it. Because you got to find out that 
when you're in the deep waters, you got to find out if you're going to sink or swim. And a lot of people, they say they want to be something, but until you actually get hit in the face and or you get kicked or you get, you know, any of that, then then you will know. Because when you actually compete, that's when the true answer comes out. Absolutely. That's a great answer. Because mm-hmm. you also got to see if you love it. So, like, it looks good on TV or it looks good somewhere. Like, yeah, getting getting pain and sparring is even different in competition. Mm-hmm. So, if you can't handle it in sparring, you're not going to like it in, mm-hmm. in a professional competitive sense. And then you're going through hard practices, too, and coming back the next day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's okay mm-hmm. if you find it out that way. But that's why there's a difference between, like, guys who are fighters and athletes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And you're definitely both. So anything, mm-hmm. um, I guess There's you want to give me good work. There's a lot of guys that give me great work and they never compete. They like give me a push. They, uh, there's this one guy never know any fight, no fights. He's 50 years old. He did just win wow. like a Pan Am championship though. Like, uh, for jujitsu, he won Impressive. pants. Mm-hmm. But, uh, he, he, he gives me like, he gives me go. Like it's, it's hard to sub him and, uh, he doesn't sub. Wow. Like, it's like a stalemate. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, see, a lot mm-hmm. of people don't know the unknown people that help others prepare. Like, even Wonderboy yeah, yeah, Thompson, yeah. he was, um, was it for GSP? He was like somebody's, uh, to prepare for some fight to emulate someone else at the time. And nobody knew who Wonderboy Thompson was. So, yeah, like, some mm-hmm. guys, like you just said, they'll never want to fight. They'll never whatever. And... They're just as talented, and they're really good at mixed martial arts. Yep, hundred percent. The the people uh, behind every champion, there's a team. Behind every champion, there's a team, and every champion got people in their gym that's either taking them down or you know uh, whooping them on the feet. So it's just. The game is always someone better, you know. You just got to get better than you were yesterday. That's my thing. Trying to be better than my my own self. Not trying to be better than anybody else, but better than my own self. Right. And it's less stress. You're competing against yourself instead of, like, what's he doing over there? And that's a great note to end it on. Absolutely, man. Anything else you want to tell the world? And it's been a pleasure talking to you, Emmanuel Pugh, the Memnon Warrior. And, uh, yeah, man, it's been cool. Memnon Warrior. Out, man. Just like that. Out. Awesome. <laughs> Hit me up. You know, you know where it's all my ads. So, you know, Warrior Republic. Shout out Warrior Republic. Go cops and right. We got the Memnon, official Memnon shirts. You want to get anything Memnon, you come and you can just go to our site, warriorrepublicmma.com. Um, you know, he's got a manual. He's also got, you know, Memnon Warrior YouTube. Uh, we'll put that there. And we got your Instagram. We'll put that right next to it. And if you guys really, there's two parts of the sport. There's guys that you already know and guys you don't. And this has been an episode where you realize you see an up-and-coming rising star. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. They're going to know soon. They're going to know soon. That's right, man. Bro, they'll know your name, buddy. Real soon. Peace out, man. Peace out.